We are speaking from the book that is a powerful book. The book of what? Ezra. Can you turn there with me please to the book of Ezra and we're going to read together. Hallelujah. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear a hallelujah? Praise the Lord. Ezra chapter 9. We're reading verse 8 and verse 9. Ezra chapter 9, verse 8 and 9. I'm going through these verses again and I'm adding more things. So for those of you who were not here, it'll have a catch up. For those of you who were here, it'll have a reminder. But we are adding. Verse 8 and verse 9. And now for a little space, and I'm reading the King James Bible, grace has been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place, that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. For we were born men, yet our God has not forsaken us in our bondage, but has extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia, to give us a reviving, to set up the house of our God, and to repair the desolations thereof. And to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. Let me read that to you in the Message Bible. It reads as follows. Now for a brief time, God our God has allowed us this battered band to get a firm foothold in his holy place so that our God may brighten our eyes and lighten our burdens as we serve out his, this hard sentence. We were slaves. Yet even as slaves, our God didn't abandon us. He has put us in the good graces of the kings of Persia and given us the heart to build the temple of our God, to restore its ruins, and to construct a defensive wall in Judah and Jerusalem. There are several key words there. We read from Ezra that God has given us a little space. Somebody say little space. Say it again, little space. We said that word little space is the Hebrew word R-E-G-A, pronounced rega. Literally, it means a wink of the eyes. It means a very short space of time. That word rega means an instant, a moment, a space, a suddenly. Rega is a moment or a time of opportunity with an entrance and an exit. Rega is a time set with a beginning and an end in which we are given an opportunity by God to do certain things or to experience certain things. In short, it's a time span that has already been set or a window. Somebody say a window. In the Rega moment, this is where the heavens are open for a time. And all of this activity is orchestrated by God. You don't know when it began. You don't know when it will close. But what we are observing is that there is a divine visitation of God. And the Holy Spirit is falling upon the people. There's a response from the people. They respond to the preaching. 
People have hunger for God. They have hunger for prayer. People want to be involved in the work of God. People are repenting. People are getting their lives in order. People come to church and they are not in a hurry to leave because they love being in the presence of the anointing. I don't know about you, but I kind of sense that there is a regular moment that we are in right now. And God is the initiator of this kind of atmosphere. He is the one initiating this space, this regular moment, this open window. Jesus recognized it when he said in John 4, 9, I must work the works of God of whom who sent me whilst it is day. Why? For the night cometh when no man can work. What Jesus is saying is sometimes you can have a late response. And when you have a late response, it's almost difficult, if not impossible, to capture that regal moment. You may go through the motions, but it will never be the same. You may go through all the activities, but you will never have the same presence, the same intensity, and the same anointing. Can I hear an amen? amen. There are certain things, Barcelona, when God starts doing, don't ask your neighbor, just jump in. Amen. Tell three people, I am jumping in. I'm not waiting for you. Tell them, I'm jumping in. Tell the other person who's not saying anything, say you are, but now you are not even saying anything. I'm jumping in. I'm not waiting for you. When God is dealing with you, when you sense the presence of God and the dealing of God, don't waste any time because a regular moment has opened. Jump in. When that moment comes, that's orchestrated by God. Do what needs to be done which is consistent with that God moment. So Ezra says, this little space, I love it. He says, now a little space, for a little space, grace has been showed unto us. In other words, we explained this yesterday, this time and this move of God comes by the grace of God. When God breaks upon a generation in a moment of time, and he shows them grace by giving them a divine visitation. Shows them grace by giving them a revival. In Ezra, the people prayed for that grace. And God showed that grace from heaven. And so, grace is simply God's unmerited favor. Grace is simply supreme graciousness and condescension of a superior. Grace is that which is undeserved and it is not secured by our own works. We should be aware of this, brothers and sisters, that what we are experiencing right now has come by the grace of God. Not through our works. It is God who is working in our hearts, stirring our hearts. It is God who is bringing this many people to come for this time of prayer. So this revival and this visitation because it comes from God and by his grace, it calls for us to be humble. It calls for us to respond to God when he deals with our lives. If the stuff that you need to deal with this week, brother and sister, deal with it and get it out of the way. 
Second Chronicles 7:14 says, "If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land." It is in this time of grace where God creates an intense desire. He stoops down to us and stirs expectation. God bends down and stoops down to us and visits our hearts. Because our hearts are filled with expectation. How many of you brought some expectation here tonight? And because our hearts are filled with expectation, God brings that unmerited favor. God brings that supreme graciousness and he fills us with our lives. <laughs> See, God wants to create in our hearts an intense desire for prayer. An intense desire for living holy lives. An intense desire for worship. An intense desire for communion with God. This intense desire is not worked up by people themselves. But it's a desire that is divinely sent. It is actually the work of grace in our hearts. Where God is preparing us. And God wants to bring us. He wants us to enter into what he wants to do in his day. So God prepares us. Leads us, as we said, through his leaders, through his chosen vessel. You know, one of the things I find very interesting as you study the move of God is that God's not going to bring any move of his among a people fully as it should be brought if the leader themselves don't hunger for that move. See, so God will always touch the leaders first. Not exclusively, but he will touch the leaders. And if the leaders won't listen, God will go to the other people. But God touches the leaders. God touches the leaders in the church. God touches the leaders in the home. God touches the leaders. Wherever you are, if you are a leader, God touches you. Why? Because God starts with the head all the time. Can I hear an amen? So God has chosen and prepared his people that will lead God's people. These chosen vessels, they will speak the word of God. And as they preach, the word will stir the hearts of the people. As they preach, the people will move and run after God. And so God will send his sovereign spirit to visit the hungry hearts. Because God is always looking for the hungry hearts. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. God doesn't feel a vessel that doesn't hunger after him. God doesn't visit somebody who doesn't hunger after him. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. So God is truly the initiator of this visitation. And he is the governor of this visitation. And that verse says, it is God who gives us a measure of this revival. And it comes to us in messy drops. In tiny trickles of grace that flow down from above. And each little space of visitation, of revival, we can call it the mercy drops. We can call it the divine measure of visitation or revival. Let's go back to Ezra chapter 9. It says, and now for a little space, grace has been shown from the Lord our God. And in that verse, Ezra enumerates six things that are the purpose for the visitation. Because you see, our God is a purpose-driven God. God doesn't do things just for the sake of doing them. God doesn't bring down his visitation upon us for us to feel nice. 
It's alright to feel the power, but that's not the end of it. God never anoints you just for the sake of anointing you. The anointing is always there for a purpose. Look at your neighbor and say you are anointed for a purpose. Look at your other neighbor and say you are here for a purpose. Look at your other neighbor and say God is stirring your heart for a purpose. God is not frivolous. God doesn't just do things for the sake of doing them. God is a purpose driven God. God has a purpose why he is anointing you the way he has anointing you. God has a purpose why he is drawing so many people for us to be here today. Can I hear an amen, Bazalan? So there are six things there that we will talk about tonight. Let me read it again. And now for a little space, grace has been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in bondage. For we were bond men, yet our God has not forsaken us in our bondage, but has extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us a revival, to set up the house of our God, to repair the desolations thereof, and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. Let me read verse 9 in the New King James Bible. It reads as follows. For we were slaves... Yet our God did not forsake us in our bondage. In other words, you know, we were people who were not experiencing the move of God. We were walking around in darkness, bound by our sins, not living right, not doing things right. But God is sending down mercy drops. Then it says, but he extended mercy to us in the sight of the kings of Persia to revive us, to repair the house of our God, to rebuild its ruins and to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. So there are six things, Bazalon, that are the purpose why God is bringing this move. Six things. Six things. There, there are six major things why God is sending this visitation. And I want to talk about them. Why? Because God is purpose driven. Say it with me. God, God. is purpose driven. Say it again. God is purpose driven. Or say it this way. God does things for a purpose. And if we don't understand that, we will waste the move of God. If we don't understand that, we will receive the move of God and the visitation of God and want to personalize it. We will will want to, to box it and throw it in a box or can it. But when the move of God comes, it is always for a purpose. Are you understanding, Bazalanane? That is very important. Look at your neighbor and say, it's for a purpose, neighbor. Look at your other neighbor and say, it's for a purpose, neighbor. Let's go through the purpose. Number one, to leave us a remnant. Write it down. I explained them briefly on Monday, but I'm going to go in details today. To leave us a remnant. Number two, To give us a peg or a nail in his holy place. Number three, that our God may enlighten our eyes to enlighten our eyes. These are powerful things. Number four, to repair the house of our God. God is a repairing God. 
Ish. Number five, to rebuild its ruins. I'm going to talk about this. There's an anointing of rebuilding. And then number six, to give us a wall in Jerusalem and Judah. That's what the King James says. But I like the message Bible. It says, to construct a defensive wall in Judah and Jerusalem. To construct a defensive wall. Six things. What's, what's the first one? Ah, your neighbor is sleeping. Just look at your neighbor and wake them up for me. Look at your neighbor and then wake them up for me. What's the first one? Oh, come on, guys. You, you can't tell me I can speak louder than all of you. What's the first one? Number two? A peg or a nail in his holy place. Number three? To enlighten our eyes. Number four? Maralinka has the light. Look at your neighbor and say, what's about Kazi Bishop? Number four? I can't hear you. Number four? That's a better one. Number five. Remember, we have people listening to us all the way, Bazalana, in Ghana and Nigeria. I want them to hear you. Number five. And number six. Give me that second one. The second one to do what? To do what? To construct a. All right. So God is sending this revival. By his grace, by his mercy, number one, to leave us a remnant. The word remnant means that which is left after separation and purification of the people. That which is left after separation and purification. It refers to that which has been set apart for a special purpose. Remnant. Remnant speaks of those, listen to this, who have escaped from something and are entering into something else. Wow. That's a remnant. God desires to leave himself a remnant. What is that? A small group of people. See, when you look at the way God works, though God wants to reach all people, it is not all people who respond to God as they should. Yeah. God's goal is that all should respond to his moving. Respond to his promptings. Respond to the whispers of the Holy Spirit. That is God's goal. But the truth is, it's not everybody really who responds alike and who has the same intensity. But God says that remnant, that handful, much as there are few, 
I'm going to use them for a special purpose. Now note, Basalan, it is not God who decides who becomes separated. Paul says, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but there are vessels of wood and there are vessels of clay. Then it says, if any man will cleanse themselves from the latter, and the latter is wrong living, it's strife, it's jealousy, it's all kinds of wrong things. He says, he will be a vessel unto honor. So it's a great house. It's a big house. It's God's house. Filled with vessels, which is you and me. Some are made out of wood. Some are made out of clay. Some are made out of silver. Some are made out of gold. And it is not God. Who decided. Who the clay is. And who the gold is. It's the one who decided. Is if any man. Any woman. Would cleanse themselves from the latter. Yeah. See, when people don't want to live a holy life and they cheat, live in sin, put on a church face on Sunday, though they may be in the house of God. They don't realize that they are a vessel, Mara, it's a vessel that is of clay. For that reason, God cannot pour precious things in them. God cannot use them in precious things. God cannot use them at a certain level. God cannot. And it is not that God doesn't want, but when God looks, he says, this clay vessel cannot handle certain ingredients. It's not God who decides. It's us. Yeah. So when God sends a revival, when God sends a visitation, his purpose is to stir people's hearts so that even the cold ones can be shaken up. And during this outpouring and in this visitation, God can stir their hearts and make them see what they can possibly become. Yeah. I went through that experience. Clearly, I remember 1978 when I became a Christian. 5th of August 1978, got born again. By the end of that year, I was backsliding. Though I was going to church. Yeah. I started accommodating things that I shouldn't be accommodating in my life. Yeah. I went through all the the processes and the the formats 
Mara, I knew that even when I was in the presence of God, it was like a duck getting inside of water. And when you come out, it's like you never were in anything. How many of you are sitting next to a duck right now? (laughs) People who think because you can get away with sinning, And because maybe nobody points you out and nobody says so and so, you, you think it's okay. You'll remain a clay pot. Yeah. There are certain levels of God, certain dimensions of the move of God, certain levels of revelation, certain levels of anointing, certain levels of being used of God. You will only be a spectator. Yeah. Yeah. Even when we're praying here, there are certain levels of praying you'll never get into. I'm telling you, you'll never get into. You'll never. Because God's not going to fill a clay pot with certain precious things. Yeah. See, there's what the Bible calls true riches. See, Jesus says, if you're not faithful in that which is mundane and fleshly, who can entrust you with true riches? You know, true riches is not money. Mm -mm. true riches is the wisdom of God is the anointing of God is discernment and understanding that comes from heaven may the Lord grant you true riches in the name of Jesus but that is if you make a decision that I'm not going to be a clay pot God is sending this visitation to get even the cold ones to experience something they they haven't experienced before. Taste something about the, 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 the beauty of being clean and holy. Taste something about the beauty of being filled with the anointing and the power of God. The beauty of being lost in his presence. God is hoping he can entice you enough and give you enough appetite to hunger after it so that when you are in it, you can decide again, go to Nami, I want to be a remnant. Tell you. What turned me around 1979 is when I began to meet young people at school who were living holy lives. I tell you who were prayer warriors. When they met and talked, they would talk about how God spoke to them, the anointing, they were fasting, they were, and, and all the things they were saying about anointing, I didn't know what they were talking about. And now and even they say God speaks to them. I didn't know. Some of you, even if we're talking about God speaking, you, you don't even know what that is. Yeah. You're in church every Sunday. You're here. You are here. We worship. We talk about the anointings here. Well, those years, they would talk about the anointing. I would feel the presence. Mara, I didn't know how to have that presence rest on my life. I only felt the presence when I was with them. Mara, when I left, I was my old dry self. Look at the neighbor and say, You don't need to be your old dry self anymore. I don't know about you, but something about you is changing this week. 
I said something about you is changing this week. Watch out now. Watch out now. God is stirring. You're moving off from the shelf of clay pots. I said you're moving off from the shelf of clay pots. You're moving off from the shelf of pots made out of wood. You're moving even from the shelf that of pots that are made out of silver. I see you being made out of gold. riches may it be your portion I said true riches may be it be your portion the anointing of God the power of God the presence of the Lord may it be your portion the secret things of God may it be your portion true riches God says I'm reviving and the reason I'm, I'm showing my grace and my mercy and, and, and having a visitation is that I want to leave myself a remnant. Because it takes men and women who have a certain level of seriousness about God for God to use those men and women to change the world. I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those men and women. Yeah. That is why you'll see anybody that God has used, he calls their life to a certain level. Challenges their commitment. Yeah. He raises the bar. Yeah. Because if, if you don't go up to a certain level, there, there are certain experiences that you will never have. You'll always be watching and admiring and wishing and hoping, but never participating. Tell your neighbor, I want to be a participator in the name of Jesus. I am tired of being a spectator. Tell your neighbor, I'm not a spectator anymore. I want to be a participator. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't like to hear people telling me how the power of God moved upon their lives. And I mean, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't like that. I don't like to only be hearing about other people's testimonies. I'm blessed to hear that testimony. Maranami. I'd love to have my whole testimony. Yeah. Leave us a remnant. Jesus. Number two. And I'm going to end on number two. No, we'll finish the others tomorrow. How? It's really a little hack. It's so fit, so fit. Number two. Not only does God want to leave a remnant, but he wants to give us a peg or a nail in his holy place. What a, what a simile. What a metaphor. God is using picture language. Note this. A peg was used in those days like today when you pitch a tent. And remember, even there was a time even when the presence of God was locked in a tent. So a peg is there to tie something down. God wants to give us a peg, a nail in the holy place. God 
wants to tie us down in his presence, in his anointing. He wants to tie us down. I want to explain that to you. A peg was used for a tent, which is an abiding habitation. When God gives us a peg in the holy place, it means we have a position of steadfastness. Oh, was a lot. Where we are nailed down like a tent stake in the presence of God. In other words, we are so established in the presence of God and in the things of God where we have a place to abide and nothing can remove us from there. See, there are some of you, you are jumping in and out of spirituality. You are jumping in and out of the anointing. You are jumping in and out of intensity. You are jumping in and out of attending church. You are, you are jumping in and out. One day we are shisa, one day we are banned. God says, no, 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 no. no. I'm going to nail you down. Ah, I'm going to nail you down. In my holy place. God says, when I'm sending this outpouring and and I'm sending this visitation. I am changing things about you. You who used to be hot and cold. You who used to be inconsistent. You are not going to be inconsistent anymore. You are going to be nailed down. Somebody say I'm going to be nailed down. Let me show you how God nails us down. Number one, God nails us down through his word abiding in our lives abiding in our hearts and us being doers of the word and not hearers only where we give God's word first place in our lives we don't act on the Bible just when it's convenient God brings us to that place where all our decision making is filtered through the filter of God's word. We are nailed down. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 and 7 in the New King James Bible. I like it. It says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. Tell your neighbor, walk in him. Tell your other neighbor, walk in him. Not it. Walk in him, rooted, rooted, and built up in him, and oh, come on, let me hear you, and and imagine you are rooted, you are built up, you are established in your faith. Note what it says, and abounding with thanks. I see you rooted this year. I see you established this year. I see you built up this year. And I see you abounding with the grace of God this year. 
See, when God sends a visitation, he wants to make you a strong person. He wants to make you a dangerous person. He wants to make you somebody who lives by the word, who talks the word, who believes the word, who acts on the word, who preaches the word, who thinks the word, who prays the word, who talks the word, who meditates the word, who orders his life according to the word. And God leads you through the word. Thy word is a lamp to my feet. Thy word is a light to my path. Oh God, I hide your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Jesus. See, when God sends a visitation, it's time to give you a peg in the holy place. Rooted. Grounded. I'm not moving this year. Tell the devil I'm not moving this year. Say it again. I'm not moving this year. Jesus. Look at Philippians chapter 2. The New King James Bible. Look at the one on the screen. I love it. It will do all things without complaining and disputing. That you may become blameless and harmless children of God. I love this one. Without fault. In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. In the midst, in the midst, among, 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 they, they go, they go for bribes, you don't go for it. They have sex outside of marriage, you don't do it and you don't care what they say. They have mama aqua pain, you don't have maqua pain. Bashaya back door, when I say a front door. Babu Akaba Pansi, when Okulumangaba Pesudu. In the midst, talk about being pegged down, talk about being established. Unzolo maharaba onabata kwa wena ule soba, batu ba di drugs wena ule soba. Eh, badi yeta uba shabile fela. In the midst of, may God grant you that grace this year. I said, may God grant you that grace. I said, may God grant you that grace. Grace, 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 grace everywhere. Grace everywhere. In the midst of. In the midst of. In the midst of. Somebody say in the midst of. In the midst of. In the midst of a, a crooked and perverse generation. By God's grace I'm nailed down. Yeah. Oh. Oh.
that you may become blameless and harmless children of God. Utwaren blameless. Shouldn't be able to find fault with you. Harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Note, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Listen, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run and labored in vain. Give the Lord a big hand in this house, please. You know, I will forever remember this particular wedding in our church. I've even forgotten who that young man was, the way I was so blessed. See, because you see, there's a belief among people that everybody is evil, everybody is sinful, everybody is corrupt, everybody, you know. But even in Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm telling you, Throughout history, there's always been a remnant. Young people, never let anybody pressurize you through the lie that everybody is doing it. Come on, come on, come on, young people, let me hear you. Come on, let me hear you. I prophesy that you will be nailed down in the presence of the Lord. You will be steadfast and strong in the midst of. Yeah. You know, I was telling, I was telling my sons the other day, I was saying to them, you know, sometimes when I look at young people, they try to act like we were never young like them. And you must remember, in our time, our times were different to our parents' time. The same way that our children's time is different to our times. But what's not different is the sin and the wrong. Serious. It's still the same commitment it took my parents or me to make certain decisions. That doesn't change. I was telling them, I said, you know, you may say, but it's still the same. It's the same process to stay out of trouble. You nail down, you get nailed down. In the midst of, don't let, don't go with this mentality. Be that person who loves the things of God. You love holiness. You love the right way of living. In the midst of. Have a backbone. Don't mind being the only one. Yeah. Listen, you know, you know. I was sharing with my boys. I was telling them. I said, you know what? I'm starting to understand why self-control is so important. It's not just about sinful living. It's about many other areas. If you don't have self-control, the day you are exposed to a lot of money and you have a chance to be corrupt, you will be corrupt. 
it's not just about it's not just about it's not just about that. When you don't have self-control, it affects so many things in your life because your, your life is, is totally out of control. You've got to be able to be in control of your life. You must be able to see things. Tell your body no. Hey! Listen, Basala, it doesn't mean we don't like to do some of these things. I'm not dead. I'm alive, Pell. Aha. It doesn't mean we don't see. It doesn't mean we are blind. Huh? It doesn't mean those things, when you look at them, your body doesn't want. But I've taught my body who are looking. Listen, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. I can see, but I'm not going there at all. Self-control. I was sharing it with, with wife Kiri. I've realized something. You know, the reason it's important for you young people to develop self-control at an early age is the older you grow and you are by yourself, is the mother are so many things that come your way. You can do so many things. When, when a business is not working, if you don't have self-control, you are going to cheat and lie. And, oh, you, you, don't have, you don't have self-control. When you become rich and God blesses you with your lockdown because you don't have self-control, you go on a spending spree. You, you, you don't have self-control. No, no, it's not, just about, it's not just about that. It's about everything. Hmm? When you are employed in a company and you, are, you start doing well, when you don't have self-control, you start boasting. You, 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 you. You're just, you're just off the hook. So, develop self-control now. Don't just yield to anything your body tells you. Some of you, your body doesn't know the word no. Pasalana. This body, Paul, Paul says, I put my body under. He says, I bring it to subjection so that after I've preached to others, I myself should not be disqualified. If you allow your body to rule you, you will be disqualified. God says, I'm, I'm putting aside a remnant that's going to be staked down even when they're in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, they still live the right way. May God grant you that grace in the name of Jesus. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. I read the contemporary English Bible. It talks about when God gave the fivefold ministry gift. It says his purpose in giving the fivefold ministry gift, was to equip God's people for the work of serving and building up the body of Christ until we all reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Watch now. God's goal is for us to become what? Mature adults. To be fully grown, measured by the standard of the fullness of Christ. 
That's our measurement. We, 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 Christ stands here, you stand here, we compare you with Christ. How much like Christ do you look like? We don't compare you with the other Christian. That's our problem. We compare ourselves with the other Christian. No, we need to compare ourselves with Christ. How do I measure up to his fullness? Measured by the standard of the fullness of Christ. Watch. As a result, we aren't supposed to be infants any longer. Who can be tossed and blown around by every wind that comes from teachings with deceitful scheming and tricks people play to deliberately mislead others. People are running around with strange doctrines these days. Funny teaching. Some people, they're just not stable at all. They jump from one church to the other. They jump from one teaching to the other, from one doctrine to another. Today, they are eating grass. Tomorrow, they are drinking petrol. The day after tomorrow, they are spraying themselves with doom. Next thing, cars running on them. Next week, they are into deliverance. The next week, they are into all kinds of... They are just not stable people. And you know the problem, Bazaran, I've been a pastor for 33 years now. This is 34 years. There was a time when I used to counsel people a lot. And one of the things I discovered is that there are certain people who come for counseling because they are looking at you like you're a magician. They are coming to you to wave your magic wand of prayer so that their lives can get right, but they lack the discipline themselves to be nailed down in principles. They don't come to church regularly. They don't read the Bible. They don't act on the Bible. They don't pray regularly. They don't commit to a church. There are people I know. Even now, they're still there, some of them. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope you're not one of them. There are some people who are so unstable. They come to church for two weeks. Now, I'm not saying people who are working or other things. That's not what I'm talking about. But there are people who are just, they're just, they've just developed the habit of being unstable. One month they come to church, next thing, two months they don't go to church anymore. And when you see them coming in, they have a, they have a, they have a crisis. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope you're not somebody who's in crisis mode all the time. Yeah. No, no, Basalan, I've, I've pastored for many years. I know those kinds of people. And I remember this particular one I was counseling. They would come all the time. And you know, I realized that even when they told me their problem, they didn't like my answer. They've come for counseling, Mara. They don't want to receive the counsel because they were hoping for something. I've even heard people say, Ha, Nekirutan Rappel. Serious. True story. I, I actually had one who literally took my hand and put it on their head and said, pray for me. I said, no, I wasn't going to pray for you. I was going to show you the Bible. You see, some of you are disappointed already because, because you, you, you think everything will be solved by us laying hands on you. And you find the person, they don't read the Bible, they don't pray, they don't come to church regularly. They, don't, they are fighting, they are in strife. They are working on forgiveness and bitterness and they want things to work. And the worst thing is they're into all kinds of doctrine. And I remember this particular one. They even came to me afterwards. They told me I'm in another place. 
some other place where they were preaching some very funny stuff. They said, no, you, 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 you didn't have the power. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> you didn't have the power. They have the power there. I said to them, you know, you are looking at the wrong person. <laughs> the power comes from the Lord. He uses me as a vessel. I can turn the power on and off as I want. I'm not a magician. I can just, you know. And then they went to this other place. And then two years later, I saw them sneaking in Nicodemusly. You know those people, now? They are back, but they don't... I'm about to jump in so that they're back. I, I don't know how you say it in English. They don't want to jump. <laughs> I could see them there. So finally, you know, they warm themselves. Finally, they just sit there in the back. It's bondage. <laughs> to, do, to live like... Then they were gone again. And when... Then my friend met them. I won't tell you who... who, who and they, they told my friend, they said... I went back to Musa, Ushulegi. <laughs> I went to Musa, he, he was unable, he couldn't help me. And I'll tell you why they didn't like it, because every time they came, I would challenge them, I would ask them, do you read your Bible every day? Do you pray? No, don't pray, don't read them. Even when I read scriptures, they don't even know where they are. Like some of you. You don't even know where Genesis is. You, 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 look, you look in the index. When we say Genesis, you look at the index. Yeah. But see, these are people who are not nailed down. And so today, people run with doctors. There are Christians who are running from one extreme doctrine to another. They live in the world of moving from one comfort to another comfort. Swinging on the branch of one revival to another river. You know some Christians, and even when you are with them, when they talk, you can hear who these people, they are out there far. They are so spiritual, but when you look at their lives, their life is dear Mekar, I tell you. Some people are very spiritual, their life is far, but they, their life is confusion. They don't wash, they don't clean the house, they don't groom themselves, they don't go to school, they don't go to church. But they are far spiritual out there. They tell you they, they see things out there so far. And some things they say you can't find them in the Bible because their spirituality is far. You meet them this month, this is what they believe. You meet them the next month, this is what they believe. They've been to this tent, they've been to this church, they've been to this prophet, they've been to this apostle, they've been to this mam rapelli, they've gotten meti, all kinds of things happen. I tell you. We won't interpret that for our international audience. We won't interpret that for them. We won't. Come on, we met you. We feel as if we're We feel as if we're in trouble. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. We're in 
I declare this year is different for you in the name of Jesus. God give you a peg that you are stable. Stable, steadfast. You read the Bible, you pray, you go to church, you act on the word, line upon line. You know when you build Bazalana, you don't, when you build, it's the same thing every day. One brick here, one brick here, one brick there, on top of this one, build in, build in, on top of this one. Ooh, ooh, same thing. No freestyling comrades, same thing. One brick here, one brick here, one brick here. And then after doing that consistently for a long time in a focused way, voila! But you see, people who are not established, they are rushing. They wanted the house to be finished. But they run there, they want this one. Then, then they run there, and they want it to be finished in Goku. And then after 10 years of running, they don't even have the foundation. I pray that you will be different this year. God grant us a peg in the holy place. God brings stability to our lives this year. Stability when it comes to the things of God. May I pray regularly this year, God. May I hear your voice regularly this year, God. May I be led by the Spirit every day, God. May I go to church every Sunday. Winter, summer, rain, wind. See, some of us, all it takes is the change of the weather to change us. When the weather changes, change. But you see, when you are a consistent person, that doesn't make any difference. You are nailed down. You know, if you could learn this discipline of being nailed down, we will go far. Yeah. I'll close with this illustration. You know, I remember one day I was, I thought about it as a young man. When we lived in Rockville, you know, and you'd hear people walking in the streets at 4.30 in the morning, 5 in the morning, years ago, you know, going to get, catch a train at Tanzania Station. Even my own dad, you know, and he didn't use a train, he used to go somewhere, but it struck me as a young person how elderly people were so disciplined. They will wake up at four in the every day. Some of them, you knew, when you hear the, the gate squeaking, you know it's five o'clock. You don't even have to look at your watch. Because they were that disciplined. That nailed down in their habits. They were packed down in their daily habits. It used to, there was a time I used to board 
the 5.30 train at Intlanzani Station. When I was working at Rema and I was attending Bible school. I used to leave home at 5 o'clock. I used to wake up at 4 o'clock. And every day when I got into the train, they were there. And these elderly people, they had been doing that for years. And I remember as a young person, I thought, you know what? This is what I lack. This consistency. Being nailed down to, to certain disciplines. And when I saw that, I, I, I decided, you know, thankfully we were raised with that kind of schedule at home, disciplined parents. We already had that. But I upped my level. So I'd always be on that train. If I was late, it was once or twice a year. Some of you, you're late every day. <laughs> hey! You don't even know what time you wake up. Some of you, you wake up anytime, anytime, anytime you wake up. Anytime you sleep. Look at your name and say, you don't like the sermon anymore, but it's not going to be quiet. what we try to teach young people. Young people, I developed these disciplines when I was young. I listened to many preachers. I heard, it was last year, Bishop Doug was just talking about, he does his devotions every day. In fact, it was such a blessing. I was talking to one of the young men who does the crusades with him. And he, he was so happy. He says, sure. We were at this particular crusade in some of the rural areas. Far. He said, we, we all had rented just one big room. You know, all the males were in this one room. They were all sleeping there together. Bishop was there. He said, at early hours of the morning, I heard him praying there and reading his Bible. Rona, we were so tired from last night. <laughs> you see, some of you, when you are tired, your disciplines go. Yeah. Some of you, if you can miss one meal, your whole life is miserable. small things blow away you're being packed down but God said it won't be like that this year give the Lord a big hand of praise somebody in the house he's taking the offering, offering. hallelujah oh come on give the Lord a big hand if the Lord is a good it's good come on give the Lord a big hand if the Lord is good oh